Hey everybody, it's time for another podcast from another world, and this time Dave's bringing along a very special guest to speak about one of possibly the uh, most popular movies, uh, horror movies, maybe movies in general of the 70s. Definitely shaped a lot of lives for a lot of people, so Dave, why don't you get it started? Anchorage from Polar Expedition 6. Anchorage from Polar Expedition 6. Can you hear me? Over. I mentioned these other solar systems. Get it to indicate that life can and does exist on other planets as well as our own. Sounds like, well, just as though you're describing some form of a super carrot. That's nearly right, Mr. Scott. This carrot, as you call it, constructed an aircraft capable of flying some millions of miles through space. The world's greatest battle was fought and won today by the human race. Soldiers and civilians met the first invasion from another planet. And now, before giving you the details of the battle, I bring you a warning. Every one of you listening to my voice, tell the world, tell this to everybody wherever they are. Watch the sky. Welcome to another episode of the podcast from another world. I am your host, Phantom Dark Dave. We've reached chapter three in my presentation of three largely influential horror movies. First, we talked about the Amityville Horror. Then, we talked about The Exorcist, and today, to close it out, we're talking about the 1975 horror classic, Jaws. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless, eating machine attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. <laughs> From the best-selling novel, Jaws. too intense for younger children. Joining me today, he is the host of the Angry Dad podcast and the new podcast that he does with his wife called I Married a Bigfoot. Please welcome Ben. 
Thank you, Dave, for having me on today. I, c- I couldn't wait to do this podcast. You know what I'm saying? I was ready. Yeah, man, you were waiting on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sometimes schedules, you know what I'm saying? It hard, it's hard to line up, but once we can line them up, it, it, it flows perfect. It does, man. And some of us have some extremely conflicting schedules where some people work mornings, some people days, some people nights, some people weekends. And one way or another, we figure it out. But as we all learn, it's all about timing. Exactly. <laughs> well, man... As you've heard on these episodes before, when I bring a guest on here, especially for the first time, I love to just dive into their history and talk about, like, one, the reason I brought them on this podcast, but two, their history with the particular film that we're doing. And for me, I, I think about the intensity of this movie. And when I think intense, I think Big Ben, right? And I was like, I got to get That's Ben fun. on here to talk about the Big Bad Shark movie. And I want to know, man, because this is something that I've been wondering ever since I invited you on. What is your oldest memories of seeing this movie for the first time? My oldest memories, uh, growing up, um, I lived with my uncles. Uh, you know, we all lived in one big place, in one big house. And I was forced to watch horror movies growing up. All right. I, I uh, Freddy Krueger, Jason, you know what I'm saying? A Leatherface, Exorcist. Like I said, when these things came on, oh, guess what we're watching today? sit down in front of the TV with us. And so, you know what I'm saying? There'd be like my, all my family would all be sitting there. And man, I, I think I was around five, six when I started watching these things, or at least conscious about seeing these things. And I remember seeing Jaws and just how the music was. And then like what really clicked to me when, uh, when I really realized what Jaws was is the Nintendo video game Jaws. You remember? You remember that game? You know, <laughs> Unfortunately, it, it, I do. It, <laughs> and um, I remember playing it, and then playing it, and then all of a sudden, it, like my buddy that uh, we were at his house playing it, he goes, and we're playing. I was like, man, this looks so familiar. And he's like, it's that movie. And I'm like, oh shit! Now, and then it all flooded back to me with me being my uncle sitting there, like, and you know, my uncles are not the kind of uncles that just sit there and let you watch it. They're gonna jump at you. They're gonna, you know, hit you. They're gonna, you know, give you a little nudge, a little push. They're gonna add to the excitement and to the tense. The tension in the room, you know what I'm saying? So they're, they always loved to scare us when we were kids. Sounds like to me, dude, you grew up right. <laughs> well, you know, I'm here, right? <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's awesome, dude. So was this, let's see, if you watched it with them, network TV, or did they have a copy on VHS? Uh, net, network TV. Uh, VHS was out, but uh, I believe at that time we didn't have a VCR at that moment because they were still like uh, like – over like 500 bucks or something like that at that moment in time so like it it took us quite a bit of time before we got a vcr i remember the first time i saw this i can't really say whose house i was at but oddly enough i discovered it on television also it seemed like usa network played the jaws like franchise on loop all the the time all the time i remember that because like like I said, a lot of the TV we, – we didn't see any of these movies because back in the day, for most people who don't know or don't remember, is what you had to have a pair of pliers, twisting the knob, clicking it, and then hopefully you don't get shocked by tur- by changing the channel. <laughs> and until we got that brown box that sat on top of the bo- that, that TV with the cable, you know what I'm saying? Because then you could just push the buttons on it. Yeah, man. I uh, <laughs> I think we had the legit cable box at the time, but it's so cool because <laughs> – I like associate Jaws with USA Network at the same time I associate with Halloween with TBS. Like those, or maybe TNT, but I think it was TBS. Those networks just, when they started with one, they went ahead and played all of them for the day. They called it the marathon, right? And it was like binge watching before it was cool. And I remember Jaws being a very specific franchise that I could not get enough of. 
Oh yeah, no, it it was it was a great because like I said, I, I've seen them all, and because we were doing this podcast, I was like, I never actually owned any of the copies, so I went out straight to Walmart, and it was even funny too because I bought the I, what I thought was all the movies, and apparently they just sell two to four, and not the first one with it, and I was like, are you? F-? Like I literally just spent ten dollars on his DVD, thinking I had them all in my fucking hand, and no, not I'm missing one. So I went back and I had to buy the other one. So I, I had, it was literally ten dollars just for the first movie. Right. I was like, I can't book, I can't believe this. Like you know, I got ripped off without even knowing it because I just got, oh there it is, all the movies, put it in my cart, went home. That's right, man. Because on that DVD, it's like it says Jaws in big letters and a fine print two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and that was it. And literally, I was like, it went until because I had sent you the picture, and you're like, uh, I think it's missing one. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, wait a minute, and I was like, oh shit, I I I literally didn't get the first one. Mm. You know? Hey, still three films for ten bucks ain't bad nowadays. Yeah, no, it's not bad. It's not bad. But still, I was pretty fucking pissed. I was like, I can't fucking sitting there muddling to myself as I'm walking back to the store to go get another one. <laughs> <laughs> Probably thinking to yourself, you wouldn't have bought two, three, and four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's all good, man. If I ever tackle um, two and three, because Brian's already done four, then uh, maybe I'll get you on here. I'll tell you one thing, though. I'll let a secret out right now. Um, and I usually won't say this before we do this, but uh, I'm actually a bigger fan of part two than I am part one. There it is. But, <laughs> Bury me <That's> alive. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> no, man, it's cool. I appreciate you, you know, setting out there, getting the movie, giving it a rewatch, you know, dedicated friend, dedicated listener, dedicated podcaster. I expect nothing less. But uh, I expect you to also to bring it. Oh, I do bring it. All right, let's dive into this thing, <laughs> man. We start off with a, a pretty powerful six-minute opening where it's really cool. We get some underwater camera work. We hear that music that we talked about, good old John Williams. And then we switch over to a whole bunch of teenagers, and they're on Amity Beach. I'm just saying, Amity Beach. Hello, tie-in to Amityville Horror. Did I do it on purpose? Maybe. But, man, they're having a good old time. They're drinking. They're smoking. They're doing all these things. And then you notice, you know, you got the one guy staring at the girl. She's got the googly eyes for him. You're like, okay, I see what's going on here. And they run off. Like, clearly, they're going to go have a little night swim, which I would never do. But, uh... It's funny. He's struggling to keep up with her because he's pretty much drunk off his ass, and she's not. So she gets to the water. Her name's Chrissy. She strips down naked. She dives in. She's like, come on in. The water is fine. And what does he do, Ben? He falls down drunk. Just straight on his ass. Okay. Straight. I've been that drunk. <laughs> well, you know, if, you're, if you've had a few to drink, it's probably good to stay away from the water. Yes. Unless you fall into the water. That's a different story. But uh, Much different. Dude, she's out there. And then we just see her go under. And then we know what's going on, but then she comes back up. She's gasping for air. Something pulls her under again. This time it's for a few more seconds. She resurfaces. She's only up long enough to get a big gasp of air, let out a blood-curdling scream. And then, dude, she is pulled underwater, and we never see her again. So what I want to know is what do you think about this opening for a franchise? Well, I'll tell you something right now. This opening for a franchise, it, it, it sets you in the mood of, oh, this is familiar. Oh, I've done this. Oh, man, I've been that drunk. Ooh, I like that pretty woman over there. Uh, it's about to go down. And so it really sets you up for, like, this is about to happen. We're about to see something. And then I see she's running. She's jumping. She's getting naked. She's jumping in the water. This dude, how many of us have been stumbling through, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, shit, I'm about to get, and then completely fucking drunk and then blow it. Because that's exactly <laughs> what he did. If he was able to keep up with her, she might be, she might be alive. But at the same time, we wouldn't have a movie. But I'm going to tell you something right now. 
just the beginning intro, like watching it then and watching it now, I'm like, man, it really sets you up for the demeanor of this shark, the demeanor of this creature that we, you know, we don't get to see, we don't get to hear, and you know, it just pull, pull. A fucking shark's just gonna eat you. Ain't gonna play with you. You know what I'm saying? It, it might give you a little taste test, but when it gives you that taste test, it, it's taken off a chunk. So you know, she didn't scream at first, but because she didn't scream, it lets you know that, that it was fucking with her. Yeah. He's like, nah, I like I like to play with my food, and it, it it just made me feel more towards the shark. Like, oh, I like the way this guy thinks, you know. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so you know, it it was a great setup. It was a gr- it was a great beginning because it gives you that familiar feeling of safety. Because when we're at parties, we're having a good time, and we're family. You hundred percent feel safe. You know what I'm saying? So, and this guy felt safe enough to get that drunk. Yeah, well, you know, I would never really say this, but it's a good thing he did because that saved his life. <laughs> A big time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Next scene, we get to meet Sheriff Brody and his wife, Ellen, and they're waking up in their brand new Amity Island home, which most of us wish we had. And he gets a phone call, and he gets sent to the beach where we discover Chrissy's body. And you can see the look on Brody's face. He's never seen anything like this before. And Brody, he goes and he requests for the beach to be closed, and this doesn't sit too well with the mayor. No, it does not at all. He's like, oh, what? Uh, what? I'm like, we just had a horrible accident. There's a dead body down there, and we need to shut this shut this down. And then all of a sudden, it's all about the money. It's all about tourism. It's all about, like, what the fuck is... And I'm like, man, shut this down. He had the right idea as a police chief. I feel he has a, the power to override whatever the fucking mayor says. But, you know, I don't know the dynamic of the area or, or the time of what's going on here. So... You know, like I said, I, I thought he was on the right track of what he needed to do. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, they say that he, they put him in charge of people's safety, yet when he stands his yeah. ground and he makes this decision. Because you would think even the jackass that the mayor is, that he would allow for the beach to be closed for just a certain time period so they can investigate what happened. Yeah. But no, not the case. No, not the case at all. You know, a little drawback to uh, Grizzly that you did with uh, Neil there. This girl was the girl that died from that move from is from Grizzly. So I thought that was a pretty little interesting fact because I had to look it up. What? Wait. Dirt. Yeah, I yeah, didn't do that on purpose. So, oh yeah, not like I said. I, I heard it and I, I read it and I was like, what? And so I went back and I was like, oh yeah, that was because you and Neil did that episode, yeah. which it was a great. Uh, Grizzly was a great movie. I yeah. thought it was a great movie. And then talking about Jaws, talking about Grizzly, all of a sudden the connections hit. Get, you know what I'm saying? It, it, fucking Kevin Bacon, fucking, you know, three or seven fucking, you know, right. things. <laughs> That's what my podcast is all about, apparently. <laughs> That's cool. Good call out, man. Hmm. Well, we're back on the beach, and people are slimming, and Brody, dude, he is a nervous wreck, but rightfully so, because this is the scene when we get another attack, and poor. Alex Kittner, young boy, he gets pulled right off his raft and eaten. And it's blatant, too. It's, like, right in the middle, right there, and it, it's bloody, too. It's not just, like, the first one, we got no blood. We just see disappearing body. You know, so we got a little bit of a bubble. But the thing is, is right here, it's like, oh, shit, this happened. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's in your face. It's marking your territory. I'm the biggest, baddest in the sea. Fucking do something. Yeah, pick on little boys. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but, dude, I mean, there's, like, an insane amount of people on the beach, right? And you have this one cop who's just 
he's in shock, man. He, he doesn't want anybody to get in the water. And people are going to swim, right? Mayor said it's okay. Everybody's out there. And I got to say, when I was watching this, even just the rewatch here, because it, it's been a minute since I watched it in my adult life. I used to watch it all the time as a kid, but you forget things. And like you said, you actually see the blood on this one, and I perked up a little bit, because I remember the first scene wasn't anything but um, startling, and I remember that. But I forgot about this particular death scene, and I remember we get the red-flavored water. I was just like, oh, man, this is going down. Oh, yeah. It, like I said, it, it was abrupt. I was like, oh, and then the scene ends really quick. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's out of the water. The mom comes running down to the beach like, where's my kid? Where's my kid? And he's the only one that didn't come up, and all of a fucking sudden, you know what I'm saying? It was fucking crazy. It was crazy. On comes that little bloody raft, though. That's it. That's it. Talk about effect. Right. Yeah, it hits you where it hurts, man. Yeah. Well, because of this, now we're in a town press conference, right, where everybody wants to know about the shark and if the beach is going to close. And I remember watching this thinking, good, it's about time people stand up and do what's right. But I realized I'm in the wrong because right after Sheriff Brody says he's going to close the beach, everybody starts freaking out. And we start to see, Ben, just how important the beach is and the tourism. And I don't know, it just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, no, nah, it definitely blows your mind because you're because what it is is this is an island, you know what I'm saying? Or at least that's how it's portrayed. And the thing is, is like they're so dependent on because this is Fourth of July weekend. You know, all these things are getting ready to happen, and they need this money to survive the winter. That's what they keep going on about surviving the winter. I'm surviving the fucking winter. Let me fucking tell you something right now. The money's gonna be there. People are gonna fucking be fine. The world's not gonna fucking end. But yet, we need to keep the beaches open. We don't give a fuck if people are dying. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, the time and place that these movies, this movie is in is door. people don't lock their doors. This is a safe neighborhood. Kids can go out and about and play all times of day and the night, which, you know, they're not going to because the parents want them in. But the thing is, is it's like, who are these nasty fucking people that are only concerned about fucking money? You know, so even in the nowadays age, it's like, oh, one shark attack, close the fucking beach. We're going to scan it. We're going to make sure, you know what I'm saying? There's no lobbying. There's no, you know, if someone dies, you know, it, it shut it the fuck down. There needs to be a full on investigation. And the thing, too, is like with this full on investigation, you know, they get there's an autopsy done. There's all this stuff, all this information pulled to us, but it's like it it didn't. You know, like I said, it it, it just blows my fucking mind that, like I said, it, it, I would have been a stoner. I would have been a person in that fucking community. I'd like check it the fuck out. You know, I'm I, I'm a, you would stand up. Anybody would stand up for their fucking rights, but these fucking idiots are fucking retarded. <laughs> I don't know. Well, then we get an awesome scene because we get to meet an awesome character, Quint. Y'all know me. Know how I earn a living. I'll catch this bird for you, but it ain't gonna be easy. Bad fish. Not like going down the pond chasing bluegills or tommy cats. This shark swallow you whole. Shaking, tenderizing. Down you go. And we gotta do it quick. I don't bring back the tourists, I'll put all your businesses on a paying basis. But it's not going to be pleasant. I value my neck a lot more than 3,000 bucks, Chief. I'll find him for three, but I'll catch him and kill him for ten. You're going to make up your minds. You want to stay alive and ante up? You want to play it cheap? 
be on welfare the whole winter. I don't want no volunteers. I don't want no mates. There's too many captains on this island. $10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. All right, Ben, tell me, uh, first impressions, what do you think about Quint? All right, right off top, let me tell you something right now. When you want to talk about the essence of a real fucking man, the kind of man that can hold attention in a room, the kind of man that almost reminds me of myself, you want the job done right, you fucking hire me. Guess what? You want to offer that? I'll take that as a fucking deposit for this fucking reward, and I'll take this much money to kill it and bring it, and then you guys can show it the fuck off. You know what I'm saying? And, and it, like I said, he's like, check, uh, you have no other choice. Because that's what he's telling. Basically what he's saying, I'll take care of it. You know me. You know who I am. You know I'm here. So guess the fuck what? And he mans up and tells him he can get it done. And guess what? He was the right man for the fucking job. I'm just saying. That's it. <laughs> yeah, man. He, uh, like you said, he pulls all the attention in the room. All eyes are on him. And half of these folks, if not more think he's a lunatic but as we grow to learn he means serious business because he knows what he's doing and this may or may not be his first rodeo yep next we get a scene where brody's at home and now he's in panic mode right he's got to become this he knows that the mayor is not going to do what he needs to do so now he needs to become like the most intelligent guy about sharks so he's studying up and he's reading everything he can on sharks and that's when his wife comes in because behind every good man is a great woman and she's like stop working you know and she brings him a drink and then they kind of relax and it's a pretty cool scene right until we find out that tomorrow's his son michael's birthday and ben (laughs) i mean of course but what does he get for his birthday there's dynamics to this that we know that we haven't mentioned but Brody don't like boats. He don't like the ocean. He don't like to swim. He don't like to be near the fucking water. So I don't know why he took this fucking job. But buying your kid a boat that you can't control, you can't fucking take. You you don't even want to go in the water with him with this boat to share this fucking moment with him. But yet you get him a fucking boat. And with all this shit going on, you're going to be like, let him go in. You're going to let this shit. Like I said. Like I said, you don't. I don't know. Like I said, if, if I don't like something, you you're like you don't like water. Would you buy your kid a fucking boat? Never. That's what I'm fucking saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, like uh, stupid parents make stupid decisions sometimes. There it is, man. Uh, I remember when I was watching this, and I'm like, okay, you want to live on the beach, small town? I'm with you. Maybe you'll never have to go in the water. Okay we're up to this point now all these bad things are happening you take that gift back like you guess what that boat is no longer a good idea <laughs> you know you would think that would be the plan yeah man <laughs> take it back and get and you another even, dvd from walmart right <laughs> you know what i'm saying and what's even funny too is that he the, the kid's out there in the middle of the night the ocean's bouncing up and down and he's just sitting in his boat can't wait to fucking sail and with this, all this going on why you know the he of course he yells get out the fucking boat but he's the kid's just sitting there in the boat like, I can't wait for tomorrow. Yep. As all kids would be, man. Kids are fearless. Fearless at the moment until they see that shit in their face. That's right. We'll get there. Next scene, we get a couple of local fishermen who 
they're going to be heroes, man. They're going to try and catch this mysterious shark by jabbing a hook into some holiday pork roast and just tossing it in the water bin. They're going to just lure it in. And I'm here to tell you that, uh, well, that does work in the essence that the shark does come, but not only does he steal that roast, he destroys that dock in the process and almost eats the fisherman. I'm going to tell you something right now. <laughs> like I said, this is two drunk buddies. Like, oh, we're about to do this. You know what I'm saying? This is some cockamamie scheme that you're like, this has got to fucking work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it, and I'm like, try, this is my wife's roast. Let me tell you something right now. Back in the day, roast was a main thing. A, 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 a family roast was the prize. You know what I'm saying? People saved up for those family roasts. And for him to just be like, don't worry, we'll buy all kinds of roast after we get this fucking money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, and I don't blame the shark going after the roast because right off top, roasts are good. Right. <laughs> the comparison. Yeah, man. It, it's funny. I love the way you, you explain that uh, two drunk buddies, because that's what, that's what it is. No one thinks this is a good idea, but two wrongs don't make a right, and we got two wrong ideas right here, and they're right in the middle of chaos doing that shark comes up here and pulls that roast, but he could, he just pulls that entire dock down. You got the one guy who's like suspended on the planks, and he's sliding down, and we're wondering, like, are we about to get another bloodbath? And Lucky for him, he makes it. He's able to tell his story, but he better not go fishing with the roast again. That tells you you don't steal the family dinner. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> or you become the family dinner. <laughs> I don't know, man. I guess word of mouth works because it seems like everybody wants to be a fisherman now. The bait and feed stores are flooded with people trying to become shark catchers. And we see several, like not just a couple, like everybody owns a boat. I guess if you live here, it's a thing to do. They must be selling them boats at Walmart on the cheap because everybody's got a <laughs> boat. They're heading out to sea, and there's like anywhere from five to ten people on every boat. Like there's nowhere to move, all because they want to earn a $3,000 bounty. And I'm thinking, like, I love doing a good deed, right? You got a, a shark-infested water killing people. If you got the tools to do the job, you save the day, you save the people. But everybody's in it for the money. Until we get to meet Richard Dreyfuss' character, who's Hooper, who I like. And he's from the Oceanographic Institute. And he does what you said, man. He does that autopsy on Chrissy's body, and he confirms that despite what the mayor and what everybody was paid to say, this was not a boating accident. We have confirmed this is a large shark attack. Exactly. It is a large shark. And the thing, too, is he's like, he's looking at the the, the doctor that did the autopsy. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> this is not a boating accident. All right, look at this shit. Um, and it just lets you know how cons you know conspiring these fucking people are in the town because they're like, oh, we need to make this fucking money for the winter and i'm like are you is it that much that you need to lie on official documents i'm surprised he the the, the fucking sheriff didn't arrest him for falsifying because it like a coroner's fucking paperwork is legal fucking documents so he just falsified a fucking report from a direct order from the fucking police chief you know what i'm saying i'm like how fucking like stupid are these fucking people and how fucking like like it blows my fucking mind like how much they're deviating from what should be happening to what they're letting happen. You know, it's fucking crazy. It is crazy. And what do you think of Richard Drivers' character, Hooper? 
Let me tell you something right here. Hooper is a smooth fucking criminal. He fucking, he walks in, he, you know, he's gesturing, he's throwing out terms, he's making this happen. He's proving that he is smart. He is showing that he knows what he's talking about. And he's like making, he's up front with everybody too. Like, he's like, I ain't no fucking pushover. This is what this is. This is what's going on. I got a fucking theory. And guess the fuck what? We all need to fucking pay attention. And yet nobody fucking wants to bat an eye at him. You know what I'm saying? Because they have whole conversations of fucking like, Look at what's happening here. Do you not fucking understand? You're letting all these fucking yahoos go out there, blow. They're throwing dynamite in the water. They're like, there's all these people fishing. People are damn near running each other over with boats. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, man. I thought dynamite was a redneck tool, but it looks like everybody knew about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you're right, man. Um, Hooper is very smooth. In fact. He is a polar opposite to what Quint is, and I love it because it puts Brody in the middle, where Quint's a hard-ass, and you have Hooper, who, he is a softie, but he's determined. And then you have Brody, who, he suffers from new guy syndrome. Like you said, he should be arresting everybody left and right. But one, it looks like there's a limited number of police officers in the area. And two, this town suffers from, we've been here forever, we know what we're dealing with, instead of him, who upholds the law. Exactly. Exactly. That dynamic works out. Gives us a pretty cool ending, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, that it does. <laughs> but before we get there, our next scene looks like, hey, we've caught the shark. Well, that's what everybody seems to think because some of these local fishermen have managed to catch a very dangerous shark. Uh, it's a tiger shark, and now everybody's happy, right? I'm happy. I'm thinking, cool, they got the thing, right? However, yeah. Hooper says this probably isn't the shark because if you look at the size of its mouth, it doesn't match the bite marks on the victim's. And that's whenever Miss Kittner, who's the mom of the little boy who died on the raft, she walks up and she sees the shark and everything. And I can't help but just wonder, man, how how terribly bad she's feeling. But she shows us because she walks up and she slaps Brody right in the mouth uh, because he let her son go swimming in shark-infested waters. And, man, I'm just curious. There's so much emotion involved in this movie, and it just gets amplified as we go. But, man, how do you think that feels? Because you know damn good and well he didn't want that beast to be open in the first place. You know, like you said, emotions. I'm talking about right. Because I put myself in Brody's shoes thinking about this because like i said i'm you know i'm talking about i'm thinking i'm a police officer i'm the fucking chief of police i'm getting slapped by a person who's grieving of course i can't be mad at her because it's my fault but the thing is is i would have grabbed the fucking mayor by his fucking neck and been like and yelling at him in front of her telling him look this is your fucking fault i'm taking the fucking blame you fucking bastard because this couldn't have this could have been avoided but because you fucking want to do this, because this is fucking happening, because you want to fucking let the beach open, this woman's child died. And then I would have knocked him the fuck out for dramatic effect. <laughs> it's lost your job in the process. As a chief of police, I don't lose my job. I fucking, I just fucking arrest people. That's how that fucking works, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man, you're like, uh, like Commissioner Gordon on Gotham is a new cowboy <laughs> in town. It, it. I write the reports around this motherfucker. <laughs> This next scene is pretty heartwarming um, to, to all parents out there, right? And all decent human beings, to be honest, because Sheriff Brody, he's feeling it, like you said, man. He He's sitting at the dinner table, and he's just having it rough, knowing that he set up that child to die, right? He allowed people to go into the waters. He didn't stand up against his boss, and now everybody's looking at him, and the mayor's not backing him up, right? Yeah. And the guilt's setting in, but then this scene is... 
it's kind of sweet because we look over and it's just a real it's a soft reminder because his son his little boy is looking at him and yep. he's just kind of watching his daddy and he's mimicking him and we've all seen our kids do things that we do and uh man i gotta say I, i'm sure it really set that dad at ease at that moment oh yeah no no it did as he reached over crest his kid give me a kiss you know what i'm saying yeah. like I need a little love here because I'm feeling some shit right now. You know what I'm saying? And it, what he did was it was great. It, it really set the tone to show that, you know, he – this is heavy on his heart. He's really fucking thinking about this. He's drinking an awful lot. He's like, what do I fucking do? He's really contemplating on what my next move is. And when he does that, it just, it lets you know that he's very fucking concerned about what the fuck is going on and what and what's my next move. What's my next step? How do I fucking handle this shit? You know what I'm saying? It, 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 like I said, it's very heartwarming emotional sad it, it gives you that empathy for him that 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 they meet in this movie right man they've totally set up a character that we can side with and grieve with and feel for to eventually just become invested our full confidence in this scene's interrupted because guess what hooper shows up at the door and not with one but two bottles of wine because he didn't know if they wanted the red or the white but any good man brings both and that's when we find out like you mentioned earlier that sheriff brody <laughs> much like me he's not a fan of the water and hooper man he's right back to the point he's like i'm still saying that's not the shark and his wife uh ellen hadn't heard this earlier so now she's like what do you mean that wasn't the shark and so now there's a little conversation at the table but he's, you know, he says it like that's not the shark we're looking for, and so, you know, as one drink leads to another, they get all great ideas, and they decide it's time to go cut open that tiger shark and see if Alex Kittner's body's inside. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what he do too. Like he's like, I need, I need, and he pour, and his wife pours him a glass. He's like, no, I need a little more alcohol to make this fucking happen. You know what I'm saying? Is like I'm fucking like, and even when they get there and they start cutting open this shark, you know, like. One of the things that we, when talking back, is like the mayor said, because he told him, like, let's autopsy, let's cut it open right now. And the mayor was like, no, I don't want to see a little kid flop out of this fucking shark. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's understandable, you know, do the autopsy in in, per, in, in private, but he said no autopsy. And they're like, no, I'm the fucking, and he says it right there. As you drink, I'm the chief of police. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? And so they get that shit done. And it's disgusting. (laughs) It is disgusting. And uh, Hooper gets it done because Brody, he stands back with his hand over his nose. But, man, we call Hooper the trooper, man, because he cuts that shark open and he pulls out, like, different fish. And then the crazy thing, he pulls out a Louisiana license plate. And, (laughs) you know, they could have came from anywhere, but Louisiana is really far away from upstate where they're at. And no human body parts come out, meaning, guess what, Ben? That's not the shark. Exactly. And, and talking about that, tiger sharks can go from fresh water to salt water. So that's how he knew. You know what I'm saying? So is it because they were, they were talking about an attack that happened before where the tiger shark came into fresh water, attacked some kids because he made a whole reference to that because it was a real event. But the thing is, is like, you know, Hooper was on point. He's like, check it the fuck out. This is not it. And after they gutted it, checked it. And once again, it wasn't it. I'm surprised at this point uh, the mayor doesn't go kill a little kid and stuff his body in there. Yeah, it is. See, we got him right here. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because that's, that, that, that's basically what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? It's basically how they're treating the situation. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, use it as a, a decoy, an excuse, right? Um, what's yep. the word I'm looking for? It just um... a distract. I just, uh, you know, I know what you're talking about. I just can't fucking speak <laughs> my fucking words. <laughs> uh, well... And this is crazy because as drunkness pursues and influences, they get another great idea. They're like, let's go find the shark. And so they go on Hooper's boat, which 
it's so cool, man, because we find out that Hooper, he's in this because he's passionate about it. Like, he didn't... He, he funds everything himself, right? And so he's yep. like a man's man on a different level than what yep. Quint is. And they spot a local fisherman's boat, and it's all kinds of destroyed, and it's roughed up, and... Hooper's like, I'm going to check it out. And that's okay with Brody. He doesn't want to go do it, so he's going to hold the light for him, right? And we see Hooper. He gets all geared up and ready to go, and he dives in the water, which, I'm telling you, Ben, I would not do this, not for any amount of money (laughs) in the world. Exactly. And now we find out why, because it's definitely not a tiger shark. We find a great white shark's tooth. Yep, it was. And (laughs) it was funny, too, because before they got on the boat, he was like, and they're like, we're going to have to go out there and look. He's like, I'm not drunk enough for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I thought that was hilarious. So I was like, Brody's sticking to the plan. He's like, uh, not quite yet. I need another drink. <laughs> you know Because yeah. that's how much he hates the water. He's like, oh, my God. And um, it, when, when Hooper goes into the water and he's inspecting the boat and he finds a tooth in the hull and that fucking head pops out, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember reading that they added that scene in to give us another great jump scare. Well, it, it got me because I forgot all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I put that similar with um, the thing from another world whenever the uh, dog falls out of the crate in the beginning. Because that movie ain't got no jump scares in it until that scene happens. And you're like, oh, I forgot that that body was in there. <laughs> so, same idea. Oh, okay. yeah. Hooper and Brody explained to the Mayor Vaughn that they need to close the beach because the shark is still out there, and he's huge. I mean, I, I, I seen it. You know, I got a great white tooth. And he's like, yeah, where's the tooth? And he's like, well, I dropped it. And he's like, there ain't no shark out there. And we know, man, the mayor, he's just, he's not going to do it, right? And instead, he's like, he's weaseling his way. He's like, I'll tell you what I'll do, though. I'm a good guy, right? I'm going to allow you to install some safety precautions. You know, get get some more police on here and do what you got to do. But like you said, this is the 4th of July weekend, and damn it, we're going to stay open. And so, all right, everybody's on the beach, and it looks like everybody, Ben, is, as they should be, is way too scared. Nobody's going in the water. And leave it to the dang mayor to go up and sweet-talk somebody into getting into the water with his wife and his kids. And so... They go in the water, and hey, mayor says it's cool. Look, they're going in the water. So now everybody's escorting themselves out into the water. And what happens? We see a shark fin. And then now everybody's freaking out, right? Brody's going crazy. Lifeguards are standing up, blowing the whistle. Uh, Chaos ensues, right? And so now everybody is running out. And that's when we find out, okay, it's not a shark. It's, in fact, two young boys playing a prank because they were swimming with a cardboard fin. And I remember thinking to myself, like, in what world does that prank work? But at the same time, Ben, they better get busted for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, their parents better skin them alive. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely going to happen. They're definitely getting skinned alive. And I'm going to tell you something right now. I think that was one of the doctors or whoever it was the mayor was talking to was like, "Uh, you need to get in the water. Cause you need you were part of this and you need to fucking help us out. And Alex like said, "If I'd have been like motherfucker, you better get in your swim trunks and get out there first. Then yeah. I'll follow you." But no, the mayor's like, "No, you need to fucking you know a show that." It, and then as soon as one goes in, they all start swarming in, and then all of a sudden you you know you you really think the shark is coming because that's how they're portraying it. They're really getting the angles back and forth from the helicopter, lifeguards. 
And then all of a sudden that fin pops up and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit. And then as soon as they pull those kids up, they're like, he made me do it. He fucking snitched <laughs> so fucking fast. Yeah. He was like, he and then, you know, they already know who the kids are because they're like, it's these kids. And they're like, so I'm assuming these kids are always troublemakers right here. So fucking, they're about to really fucking get it. You know, they're about to get that fucking bill of helicopter, boat, and policemen all charged to y'all because y'all fucked up. Nope. And uh, the cool thing about this scene, man, is they don't let us down because that was that was like this scene is similar to a horror movie when you don't see a killer. You open up the medicine cabinet like, oh, okay, nobody's there. And you close it and the killer's behind you because this wasn't a shark. But guess what? There's a shark right over there in the shallow water. And we find out that's where Michael and his friends are in that dang boat that we were talking about. And so we actually do have our jaws coming and they're not wasting any time. They're not going to do any angles here. That shark is coming and we can actually see the outline of it. And there's another uh, little fisherman boatman guy, and he gets knocked over immediately. And then Jaws, the shark, comes over, and he hits the boat, and all the kids fall into the water. And his son Michael's in there, and, dude, they get, like, face-to-face. And for whatever reason, the shark does not eat him, but it paralyzes him with fear. Oh, yeah. Now, at this moment in time, because you got to remember... Uh, Brody asked his son, like, don't go in the water, go over here. And he's sitting there t- telling him, that's for old people. That's not the side I want to be in. He's like, just do it for me. So reluctantly, he goes over there, not knowing that that was the fucking worst mistake to make. And when that shark hit the dinghy, he actually ate that guy. So you got a little bit of blood, I believe, yep. in that scene. So it might have been at that moment in time where he ate him and was like, all right, I got something to eat. And then blow- blows past him. And like you said, fucking puts this kid into fucking shock. And let's talk about like how everyone ignored that little girl yelling shark, yeah. shark. You know what I'm saying? No one was listening. They're like, it's fake. We already know. And she's like, no, it's over here. You know what I'm saying? And no, like I said, it was it was just like no one paid a fucking attention. You know, so she had to yell so many times. Well, yeah. It was in every scene from that point. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. And even Brody was slow to to accept it because he's just like, yeah, another prank, and he's walking. But then you know yeah. she sells it, man. And you can kind of yeah. see because you and I we we know, man, sharks attack more in shallow water uh, than not. And it, it may depend on the type of shark, but let's just say yeah. you're just as likely to get attacked no matter where you are. And exactly you can see the outline of the shark. So he's running down kind of like this bridge and all the people are running crazy telling everybody to get out of water. And I'm wondering, Ben, I didn't think about this till now, but I, I think you're 100% right. He ate the old man on the boat, and so sharks don't just kill to kill, right? He, he ate, and so he's good. But also, I wonder if it helped his case because he was frozen in fear that he wasn't moving around like a human being, so the yeah. shark just swam past him, didn't really pick up. Yeah, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't splashing because sharks do attack. You know, movement. You know what I'm saying? That's what they always say. Like uh, over here, and you know, I live in California, next to the um, to the Golden Gate, not next to the Golden Gate Bridge, but on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge is where the world's largest great whites live. You know what I'm saying? They attack the seals, they attack the surfers, they attack all the things that just, like I said, if you're splashing, you're making some kind of movement, they go for it. Hmm. So he might have definitely got lucky by that. Yeah, man, and good for him too, because. Now he's at the hospital, and he's doing okay. He's going to make a fast recovery. He gets to go home tomorrow, and his mom is there, and she's like, can I get you anything? And this kid's like, coffee. I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> uh, she offers him ice cream. He wants coffee. I don't know. Maybe they heard of Ben and Jerry's by now. But 
this is the last straw for Brody because he is the utmost mad because now his child was put in moral danger. And he looks over, and I was impressed that the mayor was even there. Now, he was probably there for publicity because what would it look like if the mayor wasn't there? But you can kind of see them. Dude, yep. the mayor won't look him in the eye. He's looking down the whole time, and Brody yep. tells him, yep. like, this is it. You know, it, we need to – I need you to sign this paper. This paper says you're going to hire Quint to slay the beast. He's going to catch the shark for whatever amount of money that it costs to get it done. And it takes a, a few words. And at first, dude, I'm like grinding my teeth because the mayor's like, hey, my kid was on that beach too. And I'm like, yet yeah, you've said nothing about that till now. Yep. But luckily – I think Brody enforces that not only is he the chief of police, but he's also about to whoop the mayor's ass, <laughs> and oh, uh, the oh, mayor yeah. signs the paper. Exactly. He he damn near – he just needed to put the gun to his head to make him do it because that's pretty much the forceful way that he hit him with. He was just like, ah, check it the fuck out. You need to man the fuck up. You need to sign this shit. I don't give a fuck how much it costs. He's like, well, I got to talk with everybody. I got to get the council. Uh, no, motherfucker. Do this right fucking now because this is happening. And fucking he was just like uh, – and signs it. You know what I'm saying? Because like I said, he, he he didn't threaten him, but he had that drive, that motion, that talk, that swagger, that moment in time where I'm going to fucking slit your throat in front of everybody and not give a fuck because you let my kid get involved with this. You know what I'm saying? Because that, that, that that's exactly how I would have felt. That's exactly what I would have did. He's like, oh, no, we're doing this. You know what I'm saying? So I, it was like one of those little punches to the stomach without giving a punch to the stomach, you know? Yeah. And that's good, too, man. Like, he needed to, to fill the room with uh, that testosterone and really put the mayor in his place or else more kids would have got eaten. But luckily, yeah. that's not where we're going next. Next, we're going to go meet Quint and his boat and kind of the people who are helping, you know, get it all together. We can see all these weapons that he has, all these techniques he has. And it's really funny because there's a debate on who's going to go and... Brody, you kind of assume Brody's going to go. Like, his kid was involved. He wants to be a part of it. But he's, like, trying to vouch for Hooper. And right away, Quint doesn't like Hooper because he looks at him as, yep. like, this sophisticated type that has dry yeah, hands, rich soft boy. hands. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I don't know, man. It works out because, like I said, we get the perfect blend of personalities and just energy and everything here where – Everything's covered, right? We got the smart guy, we got the tough guy, and then we got kind of a sensible Captain America guy, right? Like, and they're all going to yeah. come together to catch this shark, and it sets up for some pretty cool scenes in which we actually learn a little thing or two about what it takes to catch a great white shark. Yeah, you know, and something too with all the people coming in. Like I said, he really like you need to make me this knot. You need to what? What is this? What is that? You know, he was putting them through, you know, and and Hooper was able to fucking nail every one of them. You know, and then he's all he tells me that this is what you're going to be on my ship. You know what I'm saying? And then Brody saying fucking things like, yo, you guys are coming. This yeah. is how much more I'm going to charge. And this is you guys' positions. So guess the fuck what? I'm the CEO. I run this bitch. My words, my way. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I respect it. Yeah, and th you want that from a captain to a leader. You want somebody who's going to take charge, assign things to do so you know that there's a game plan in action. Exactly. Exactly. And it seems like some of the fishermen had good ideas because the way you're going to lower this shark is with meat and blood. And, dude, the biggest jump scare in the whole movie happens because Brody gets put on chum duty. No one else is going to do Hooper's <laughs> going to stir the boat. Quinn's going to give directions and be the man when he needs to be. And Brody's going to fish out. 
fish food, right? And so he's throwing that chum in there, and we get the very first visual of the shark. Dude, tell me about this. Had to be a big jump scare for you, and what did it? What was it like seeing the shark for the first time up close and personal? Well, before we let's, let's address the the shark in the room. The most greatest words came from this scene. Yep. All right. The most epic, most popular. Everybody says it. Everybody knows it came from the scene because as he's holding his rag to his face, chum in the waters, not paying attention, and that that the, the as big as that shark popped out of the water, just that little little like, how you doing? And then went right back down. I was like, oh, holy shit, this thing is a beast. You know what I'm saying? And and then they, they actually, you know, it, it, it startled him so fucking bad. He didn't scream. He didn't say anything. He was just like, just walk backwards like, uh, 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 uh. And then that's when you get those famous words. And I, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, what the fuck? And you know what? Those famous words never happen, do they? They never get a bigger boat. <laughs> they never get a bigger boat. Oh, man. And it's crazy because Quint like I said, this isn't his first rodeo, but you can see he was even partially intimidated, but also kind of felt that he was up to the challenge. Yep. He was like, this is going to be the beast I slay. Like I am the dragon master today. Oh yeah. No, and, and like, uh, when this shark comes up and it cruises past the boat and they can see the silhouette, they're both up on the top. They're looking at it, and they're they're making guesstimates of how big it is. But Quinn's the one that's like, "Oh no, it's bigger." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, "Holy shit!" You know what I'm saying? It's like one of those, you know, it's either shit your pants or fucking make it happen. Yeah, yeah, and um, and that's what they do, man. Because Quint he knows what to do, and I enjoyed watching kind of the next scenes that follow because it's like you're gonna catch the big shark, you gotta have the big toys to do it. He's got like the giant fishing rod, and he's like harnessed in, and then they got you know be careful over there. We got the oxygen tanks, and then over here we got the guns, and over here we got the spears, and over here's the hooks. And I'm like, man, this guy came to rock and roll, and then that's when we discover a lot of the techniques of how you can track the shark because I don't, I don't know what the technology is like in 1975 but it, here's one thing I understand you shoot it with the spear this is why I taught you how to do knots because we're going to tie on these barrels and now we're going to try to keep that shark afloat if nothing else see where he's going exactly you know, and even when they shoot him the first time, and uh, Hooper's over there, like he's telling him you know, uh, Quinn's telling Hooper tie the knot, tie the knot, I got a shot you know, and this and this where, where Cooper's money and technology come in play. He literally gets a tracking device, puts it on there, and it's a you know it's a signal flare beeping and light, so they you know you get a better visual track of this fucking thing. Ties it to the nick of time, shoots the fucking shark and takes the barrel. And he's sitting there talking shit about like I, the biggest shark that I ever caught took three barrels, and this motherfucker cannot take three barrels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it's a perfect example of new school meets old school, right? Like barrel tracking, yep. digital tracking. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You know, I like the two, the tension they have to tie the knot, tie the barrel. He's all, don't worry about me, just shoot. Yeah, you know yeah don't be waiting on they're me. Still having, exactly, they're still having an argument while they're trying to have this intense moment. Yeah, man, and poor Brody's caught in the middle, and the biggest thing he could do is stand back out of the way, throw chum, or some, as we see throughout this movie, he tries to shoot it with his pistol. Yep. <laughs> Which, you know, like I said, back then you didn't know, but nowadays we know water is damn near bulletproof. So when you do hit it, the bullets fucking sling off. You know what I'm saying? They don't they do not do any kind of damage. So, you know, they didn't have Mythbusters back then to tell them that. That's right, man. That's right. But, 
we see many attempts to get this shark and we see that it takes three barrels and that's not even good enough because this shark can swim underneath the boat we see all kinds of things happening but you know what the biggest thing quint says is we found the shark so we're gonna stay out here until we get it and brody's like it's dark like we're done right and he's like no we just wait and so this is a kind of a cool scene, man, because they kind of ho- hobby together around the table. And with, you talked about all that tension that's built. That all gets pushed aside now because we get we get a little bit of uh, guy time, man. A couple bros just drinking, talking about things, you know. And it seems like a good time to get drunk and share stories. And we hear different stories. And we see comparison of scars, you know, like, hey, where did you get this one? Where did you get this one? And I've heard that be kind of like a trend from like military things or maybe inmate things it is what it is but uh, everybody's got scars bro whether emotional or physical and this is proven in this scene here because we hear about the emotional scars that quint has you on the indianapolis what happened japanese submarine slammed two torpedoes into our side chief Coming back from the island of Tinian to Lady just delivered the bomb, the Hiroshima bomb. 1,100 men went into the water. The vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. Tiger, 13-footer, you know. You know that when you're in the water, Chief, you tell by looking from the dorsal to the tail. What we didn't know was our bomb mission had been so secret, no distress signal had been sent. (laughs) They didn't even list us overdue for a week. Very first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. squares in the battle like you see in a calendar like the battle of Waterloo and the idea was shark comes to the nearest man that man he start pounding and hollering and screaming sometimes the shark go away sometimes he wouldn't go away sometimes that shark he looks right into you right into your eyes you know the thing about a shark he's got lifeless eyes black eyes like a doll's eyes comes at you, doesn't seem to be living until he bites you and those black eyes roll over white and then oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming the ocean turns red despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in they rip you to pieces first dawn lost a hundred men I don't know how many sharks maybe a thousand I don't know how many men the average six an hour on Thursday morning chief I bumped into a friend of mine Herbie Robinson from Cleveland baseball player bosun's mate I thought he was asleep reached over to wake him up Bobbed up and down in the water. It was like a kind of top. Upended. Well, 
he'd been bitten in half below the waist. Noon the fifth day, Mr. Hooper, Lockheed Ventura saw us. He swung in low and he saw us. He was a young pilot, a lot younger than Mr. Hooper anyway. He saw us and he come in low. And three hours later, a big fat PBY comes down and starts to pick us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened, waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. So 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out of the shocks, took the rest, June the 29th, 1945. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. So what do you think about this scene? This scene is intense because, you know, they're going back and forth. They're talking about the different sharks, different animals they've been scarred up. But the thing is, is Quinn comes in hard. And he's like, I was on this ship, this wreckage. I was in World War. And when this thing happened, my ship got sunk. We were all banded together, holding together. And next thing you know, Makos are attacking. You know what I'm saying? People are getting pinched off one at a time. And he's he's slowly, methodically fucking speaking. This, and his acting skills pop out so hard because it makes you feel that emotion. As he cuts the tension in the room and makes it that much more thicker. Because it's just showing how much more of a badass he is because I survived. I shouldn't have survived, but I survived. And because of this, this is what I do now. You know what I'm saying? It's fucking great. It <laughs> is great. All of a sudden, everyone shuts the fuck up. They're listening to a story. But then as this happens, another thing happens, and it stops the whole fucking story. It does, man. It it takes us to a place where we feel bad for him, and we... We side with him, man, you know, and we're like, that makes, I mean, this guy's amazing because, dude, I see the movie and I don't want to be in the water. He lived the movie and he spends the rest of his life in the water killing his enemies, right? But um, that enemy returns, dude, because you're right, more happens. The shark comes and just rams into the ship, like, like, just like a dodge ram, just plows into it. And they all go flying off the table, right? And the shark manages to damage the hole and they lose the power and so not only are they stranded like at dusk but there's no power inside the ship it's dark outside the ship and it's slowly right like just slowly filling with water and they realize they need to make some repairs on the boat yep and and before they even uh because like before they even talk about repairs or anything like that Brody goes on a, we need a call for backup. We need a, what, uh, what's called, and, uh, you know, Quinn's like, nope. And t- you think he's going to hit him with his bat, like, to stop him. Like, nah, nah, he, he destroys the CB. He destroys the, the only communication that they have to get out there. And he's like, uh-huh, it's us and him. <laughs> Nobody in their fucking fears. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, little thrown for a loop. Like I, I literally thought he was just gonna, bat, you know, some psycho shit, bash him in the fucking head. Like, nah, nah, nah. I'm gonna state my dominance. I'm the fucking captain. Nah, he he destroys that fucking CB radio. Like, uh, uh-uh, it's just us. <laughs> yeah, he shows that he's crazy and a half man. And he also he has a personal vendetta with the shark. Is what it is. Yep. Well, the sun comes back up. They're still doing repairs, but those repairs are halted because it's time to go one-on-one with the shark again. And they manage to spear it, and it starts dragging all the barrels. And so, clearly, three barrels ain't going to do it. And so they take the lines, and they're going to try to do something else. They're going to tie them around the cleats of the ship. And 
the ship's old, man. It ain't the best ship in the world. Those cleats like start pulling off, and so it's not holding. So they instead they wrap the ropes all the way around that ship, right? They're trying to tighten them up so much so that it's mm-hmm. like putting them in corners and stuff. And we realize they're gonna drag this shark bin back to shore, right? They're gonna try to drown oh, this yeah. thing. And I'm oh, thinking, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, I'm on board with that, but can you do it? Because this is a 25 foot shark. And uh, what we realize is it takes a lot of power and, in fact, more power than they have because Quint pushes that boat beyond 100%, much against the advice that Hooper gives them. And what happens? That engine shuts down. Oh, yeah. No, it does shut down. And when they're tying the, the ropes to the to, to the to the, the to the things to fucking hold it, the shark to it, what it is, it shows the inexperience and the inability of Brody not to follow instructions because Hooper almost gets cut in, cut in fucking half. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Almost gets cut in half. And it's just like, like, what the fuck? Well, why would you think that was a good idea to put the rope on the other side and we're about to get another kill? But luckily he was able to squeeze out of there before the rope, rope fucking pulled on him. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's pretty crazy. And all the as this is going on because they were in the middle of repairs, all that salt water gets right into the fucking motor and it shuts down. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I was gonna say, man, I'm not mechanical, but I know that those two things don't mix. And <laughs> Hooper is the mind. He he's driving the boat the whole time. If he tells you not to do it, I'd probably take his advice. But then that's when hey, Quint's the man. He's the captain. Captain does what the captain wants to do. But on Unfortunately, he took the personal vendetta instead of the safety of the crew and the ship, and it got them stranded in the ocean. Exactly. <laughs> Reluctantly, I'm doing this. You are the captain. <laughs> right. And and you're probably going to beat us down with that bat after all. But, dude, it sucks because for a second you almost see like a sense of laughter, but even a sense of defeat on Quint's face. He's like, well... I'm out of ideas, <laughs> you know, and here they are. And, of course, nobody's going to stand up to them. They just kind of look at them like, you got us in this position, you piece of crap. Now we're pretty much here to die. That's it. And then that's when they get the bright idea, like, let's build the cage. Build you know what I'm saying? Cage. Let's go in the water. <laughs> and dude, we're out of, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, and it's reluctant because Quinn – as soon as he saw that cage early in the movie, he's like, what is that? And he's like, indestructible shark cage. He's like, wait, you're going to get in the cage. And the cage is going to be in the water and the shark's in the water. And he's like, that's the idea. And he's like, well, okay. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. We're going to see it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, and the thing, too, is like these are real shark films, that uh, real shark uh, videos that they were showing against the cage, too. So I thought that was pretty cool, too. You know, as as the sharks ramming the thing, you know, of course the ones where he's ramming is not the same, but the same. They, they did have great whites around the cage, so they did actually record that part. Yeah. But the thing is, is yeah, that, that cage did not do well. It must have been made out of aluminum, thinking that was going to be safe enough. Because right now that that shit bent so quick. You know, you can see who the the fear in Hooper's face was just priceless. It was like he was like, oh, this is a bad idea. I shouldn't have did it. <laughs> Well, yeah, man, because, you know, we learned Hooper's had some experiences with sharks, but never so much a 25-foot shark that has the power to, like, ram and destroy the whole of a ship. But the craziest thing is, as soon as that cage goes in the water, he sees the shark coming. And so I'm like, we're not even playing. Like, this is about to happen. But then we get tricked, right? The shark goes into, like, the darker part of the water. We don't see it. And then it goes on the other side and hits him from the back, and he immediately, immediately drops that spear gun that has the uh, the stuff in there. The poison. To, the poison to, to hurt the shark, right? And now he has no weapon. 
And like you said, that shark hits that thing so hard. That cage splits open like a hot dog, man. And now (laughs) Hooper can only just get out. And luckily for him, he's able to do that. But they tell down there that rope pulls a little bit. Something's going on. He's been on there for a long time. And (laughs) as soon as they assemble that cage, that cage is disassembled because they're going to work on pulling it up. And the craziest thing, Ben, I didn't remember this at all, but the shark gets tangled up in the cage to the point where they're, yeah. like, lifting the shark up. Yep, <laughs> and the boat couldn't take it. <laughs> no, not in the least. And the one part of the boat breaks, and so they tie something else, and it starts to work, and then that part couldn't take it either. Yep. And oh, it's just insane how this happens because I always remember this climatic scene but I never remembered how we got from point A to point B, and so much so that I thought they got another boat, but literally it's just been the destruction of this boat the whole time, because this boat is like halfway in the water at this point. It is sinking, and that is what sets up the greatest, in my opinion, kill scene in the movie, because even though Hooper made it out alive, Quint doesn't. He becomes immediate fish food, man, because Jaws... You say what you want. He plops up there, whatever. That shark swims halfway up the boat. Quint yep. falls, and he slides right into the belly of the beast. And, and, and he's fighting to the very end, too. He's reaching for everything. I need something. He starts stabbing. He starts kicking. He's like, no, but it just doesn't happen. And he just gets gobbled down, too. I thought there would have been a little bit more blood with the bites, but you know what I'm saying? He basically just gets swallowed because that's how they made it look. Yeah, it's still impactful, though, because it's we've seen the shark for a longer period of time at this point. It's like that Freddy Krueger treatment. You know, the shark yeah. is barely in the movie for, like, what, let's just say eight minutes. I'm sure somebody can fact-check me. But then this is where you get the, the chunk of those eight minutes, right? And it's crazy because, yeah, we don't get a lot of blood. We see a little bit, but we watch him literally be pulled off into the ocean and underwater. And yep. for me, that was enough. Oh yeah, it was pre- it was pretty brutal. It was, man. And so now Brody thinks I'm the Lone Ranger, right? And he gets cornered, right, because the boat's slowly sinking in the water. So he backs all the way up in there, and the shark's gone. And then here it comes, crashing right through the window. And I'm thinking, oh geez, like here, okay, here <laughs> we go. He's about to get swallowed up. But dude, so earlier in the movie we saw those scuba oxygen tanks, and we're like, don't touch those. Those are bad. Those yeah. are explosive. Be careful. And so first thing he's thinking is. I don't want to be swallowed up. So he takes that tank and he shoves it right into the shark's mouth. Oh, yeah. And, and just for a fact that people know sharks can't swim backwards, but this this, this is the biggest, baddest shark. In the, so I'm assuming he can. <laughs> and he, he throws that bottle right into his fucking mouth. And, you know, when sharks swallow something, that's pretty much it. It doesn't digest it. They don't chew it. It just it's in his mouth. Yeah. So and, and the, the, this bottle is a huge scuba tank bottle, compressed air. You know what I'm saying? And anything could fucking happen. But it was just funny as hell because as he came, he was like, ah, ah, ah. He's sitting there like, for those who can't see me, I'm sitting there making a motion of holding this heavy-ass tank, bashing a shark in the fucking face with. You know what I'm saying? It's just fucking one great moment because he's like, I'm not going out without a fight. That's right, man, because as you mentioned before, whenever the Quint got eaten, he was doing everything he could do so much so that he had a machete and he was chopping at it. And now... Brody ain't got that machete, so he uses this tank, and the shark leaves him alone. And the boat, dude, it's pretty much sunk at this point. Oh, yeah. And so he does the most sensible thing you can do is get to the highest point of the ship. Like, give yourself a fighting chance. 
And so he is able to climb what looks to be at least six feet out of the water. He's at the top of what was the crow's nest. And he sees that shark coming. And guess what's still in his mouth? Ben, what happens? Oh, let me tell you something right now. He's got that rifle. He's, he's shooting at this shark. And it, it's like I said, for, first of all, for being in the water on a stinking a sinking ship that's bobbing up and down, you got to be a fucking marksman. He's He needs the luck of everything on his side to be able to hit this small target in a moving target, in a, uh, in a moving base. And I'm like, is he going to do it? Is, you know, of course, I've seen the fucking movie. But, you know, as we're, you got to just put yourself in his mindset. Like, I need to get this perfect fucking shot to make this fucking work. And, you know, with the magic of, of movies, he's got all the shots in the world. Because uh, to me, I was thinking, I was like, man, he's only got like maybe five or six shots in this thing. And just from what I've seen, it's already, he's already gotten more than <laughs> <laughs> he should be not no more bullets. You know what I mean? And then with that lucky fucking shot, with that one precise He's a smile, motherfucker, and a bar, you know what I'm saying? Busted a cap in that ass. <laughs> and, dude, that shark explodes. Like like leaving a burrito in the microwave too long, it goes everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, and it's plopping all around him. He's like, And he's screaming for fucking joy. At the same time, he's sinking, not realizing, like, I'm going to fucking drown. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention you've bloodied the whole water, but hey, the you did what you... water. Yeah, you did what you had to do, and it's glorious. Like, it... Unbelievable, sure, take it for what it is, but it's also so rewarding for this type of movie to have this triumph at the end for the guy who was caught in the middle, who never stood up for himself. He took down the one thing that no one else could do and like you said he beat all the odds with the one amazing shot and it's just crazy because they could have done anything for this and i love so much that chunks of that shark are hitting the water like it's raining everywhere yep. that's it and it was a huge explosion too oh my god <laughs> maybe he picked up some of that dynamite too i don't know but <laughs> yeah. uh more good news happens is he realizes he's not the only one alive because Hooper makes it up to the surface. I guess Hooper hears that bomb go off, right? He's like, what just yeah. happened? That must have been the shark. And so he, I wonder what the view looked like under the water, seeing that shark explode. But he swims up there, and they're both in that blood water. And it's all good now, man, because they defeated the Mamma Jamma, and they're going to swim off into the horizon. Oh, yeah, and it, it's hilarious, too, because like, as they're swimming off the right, how in the hell did they tie all this together? <laughs> <laughs> it works, man, and I love it. And the reason I wanted to do this movie is because this was like the first summer blockbuster. It brought in more money known to man, and still to this day is the reason I don't get in the water. Like, it started the <laughs> lifelong fear of you never know what's in there. Count me out. That's it. <laughs> it's a good reason. <laughs> it's a good reason, man. And we're always reminded every year with about 20 more shark movies. But you know what? For a movie that came out in 1975, it still stands the test of time. You got to be in the right frame of mind. Don't cut it apart because if you dissect it too much, you'll start to see unbelievable things. But, man, if you put in a shark movie with the intention of watching a great shark movie, you're going to get what you want out of it. And, dude, there's a reason why, to this day, it's never been remade. Who's going to touch That's it? That's it. Exactly. No one can touch it. You know what I'm saying? You can only have sequels. You can't redo this story. And it's, it's like I said, it's just it's so iconic. You know what I'm saying? And today, you, know, you can even ask kids nowadays, oh, Jaws. And they can literally tell you who Jaws is. 
You know what I'm saying? It's a sh- it's this great white shark that eats everybody. It's a monster shark. You know what I'm saying? And, and like I said, from 1975 to 2020, you know what I'm saying? The, it, everybody knows who Jaws is. They know those famous words, we need a bigger boat, because they're referencing so many TV shows, so many movies, so many things. It's insane. You know what I'm saying? It is insane. It is, man. And it ain't the Nintendo game that's doing it. It's this movie right here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dude, I want to thank you, man, for taking the time, coming on here, waiting on me, and talking Jaws, dude, because this is just such an iconic horror movie from most of our childhoods, but also it's just so cool to end the summer with the greatest summer movie ever. Oh, yeah. No, no. I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm honored that you'd have me on here, especially to talk to Jaws, especially an iconic movie like this that's that's so known, and I'm, I was more than willing to wait and to do whatever, because like I said... You know, for most people that know us, don't know out there, uh, me, Dave, we've done quite a bit of podcasts together. Um, we're also part of the SIP Network. Dave is the creator of the SIP Network. We, you know, a group of powerful podcasters are all placed together to put out our podcast, to put out, to share our stuff. You know what I'm saying? So j- just to be able to come on, you know, podcast from another world, I couldn't wait. I was ready. I was I was biting at the chomp. I watched Jaws more than a few times to make sure that I was prepared and ready to bring my A game. Because on this podcast, you have to bring your A game. That's right, dude, and I love how you were always keeping me on my toes because Ben was sending me clips of the movie when he was watching it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's like, I'm ready. But, uh, man, you know, you talk about my podcast so much. Let's talk about what you do, promote yourself, and promote all the Phantasmo episodes that you bring. For those who don't know, I'm the Angry Dad, and on the Angry Dad podcast, I do motivations, I do rants, I talk shit. I'm in your fucking face, letting you know what life is, what life's about, advice that you might need, advice that you might need to hear, a kick in the fucking ass to point you in the right direction to make shit happen. And guess the fuck what? You want to watch my shit? IGTV, YouTube. You want to listen to it? Spreaker, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, SoundCloud, Deezer, iHeartRadio. This shit is everywhere. Everywhere you can find this podcast, you can find my podcast. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Us together as this group putting out our podcast is the greatest fucking thing ever. I could not be happier to be with the group that I'm with, to be able to share the material we share, and to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'm just happy that I was welcomed into this podcast community that we've made. You know? And so for everybody who wants to watch me, like I said, Angry Dad Podcast, find my shit everywhere. Um, I have merchandise. I fucking... You know, I anything you need to talk about. I, I, there's so many things I fucking do. It's fucking insane. So, Angry Dad podcast anywhere you fucking want to look. There it is, man. Do you want to promote the other podcast? Well, let me tell you right now. Uh, oh yeah, also too. Almost forgot. Like I said, I get that, I get in that mindset. I get in that fucking focus. That laser thing. That I start rambling on. But me and my wife, I'm the angry dad. My wife's the not so angry mom, and we do a podcast called "I Married a Bigfoot." In "I Married a Bigfoot." We talk about videos that we share, movies, TV shows, whatever. We talk shit about them. We, we, whether it's real or not, I believe. She doesn't believe. She minds me. She pays attention. She does all these things. But the thing is, is it's just me doing something with my wife that I love. I love to watch aliens. I love to watch ghosts. I love to watch Bigfoot. I like to watch paranormal. I like to – there's so many things I love to do, and she puts up with it, and now she puts up with this podcast. <laughs> and so for those who want to watch, you can find I Married a Bigfoot everywhere. We On YouTube, IGTV, and everything that I just listed. So the angry dad and the not-so-angry mom talking shit to the world. I love it, man. So you can always hear me and Ben throwing it down together. Anything from Judy Garland to Jaws, we got you covered. Ben? 
Thanks for coming on the show, man. Thank you for having me. Woo! Pat can't outdo me. up another episode of the podcast from another world where ben and i talked about the 1975 classic jaws this concludes my three chapter series on largely influential horror films and it closes out the month of august now next week brian will be back with another episode of the terrible terror podcast where he talks about the dark tower so what do i have planned for the month of september well i am so glad you asked Being that my birthday falls on September 10th, I'm releasing my birthday episode on Saturday the 12th, and I'm throwing a curveball at you. No, it's not a baseball episode, but it's something that's a little outside of the norm. Ed the Undead is making his debut to the show, and listeners of Dave's pop culture podcast will remember him quite well, but we will be doing a top five list. We kicked around many ideas on what the topic should be, but in the end, I suggested that we do something that's really personal, and because of that, this is going to be our top five favorite films that we saw in theater together. And for any new listeners who missed Dave's Pop Culture Podcast, Ed and I saw about 50 films in theater, so there's not going to be a lack of substance whatsoever. So that's going to be a really fun and unique episode, and I'm just excited to finally bring them to the show. So stay tuned for the Dark Tower for Brian's birthday episode, and then the unique Top 5 Countdown for mine. I'll catch you in two weeks. Thank you very much for listening to this bonus episode of the podcast from another world. Uh, We really appreciate you guys coming and spending your time listening to both podcasts. It really does mean a lot to the both of us. And don't forget that you're going to get two more episodes in September of the podcast from another world, as well as two episodes from the Terrible Terror podcast before Dave and I combine our forces and become one podcast for a couple episodes uh, that we're doing for the Rob Zombie Halloween. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, we've already recorded some of the episodes, so we have them ready to get going so that we're not, you know, doing everything last possible minute. Uh <laughs> 
in October when t- the time comes. But, uh, you know, I like the episodes and how they've come out so far. Uh, and so looking forward to releasing that amongst the masses. Don't forget to check out all the other episodes uh, from all the other podcasts that are available on the SIP network, including Deadhead and Radio, Angry Dad Podcast, So I Married a Bigfoot, uh, Paranormal Pativity, Five Faith from Fans, From the Waste, Back in Time Podcast, of course the podcast from another world, and then, uh, you know, the Terrible Terror Podcast as well. And there are two other podcasts that are going to be coming very, very soon, uh, and we're bringing, uh, somebody back. I don't want to say if you want to say they'll come back from the dead, and I think I just repeated myself, repeated myself there. So oh, I'm just going to leave that one in after doing this like 16 times. Uh, but yeah, once again, thank you guys so much for watching. And uh, we'll see you on another episode of the podcast from another world. Take care of yourselves and each other.